Hello and welcome to the May episode of the Venus Investor Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. Because May, you know, as much as it might not be ha- or might not have as an intense astrological setup of aspects, um, I am going to have to divide it into two parts, the first two weeks and the second two weeks, because the first two weeks are phenomenal. And here we are. Um So it's less intense, but it is still eclipse season. And if you want to know about the eclipse that happens on the 5th of May, do listen to the previous episode because I really go into detail. And it, of course, is around the coronation of King Charles III. So I think there's lots of information to keep delving into for that. But I go thoroughly into that in the previous episode. But for this episode, we're going to start, obviously, on the 1st of May, May Day, and Pluto goes retrograde on May Day. Now, we know that Pluto is only going to stay at the zero degree of Aquarius for three months in his journey now um, into Aquarius. He arrived in, in March. Remember March when we had all these epic changes going on with Saturn going into Pisces, Mars uh, finishing its retrograde shadow journey, etc. So we knew that Pluto is going to come and sit at the zero degree of Aquarius. And the zero degree, it's not as well known as an intense degree as the anoretic degree, which is the 29 degree mark. The 29 degree mark is kind of, it's the last chance to express the themes of that zodiac sign or of that planet in that zodiac sign. So the the last degree, the 29th degree, is called the anoretic degree because it's always going to force a crisis, force something to be pushed to its limit to really happen. It has to happen here. And of course, if you're aware of that, you know, the crisis doesn't have to happen. You can go, right, I'm going to use this energy. And there is a lot of energy around it to be used. So in a, the same, same, but different, the zero degree of any sign is like the beginner. This is like you get your learner plates and you are off out of the, you know, out of the traps, ready to do something with this sign. It's kind of, it's full of enthusiasm. It's got a lot of energy, but it's also quite naive because it doesn't really understand what's going on here. So whilst Pluto comes and sits on this zero degree and we think, oh, we've got a little taster of what is to come, this is kind of hugely intense. And it's not, it's like with homeopathy, you know, you reduce it, reduce it till it's just so infinitesimal that, that it's more powerful. And it's just that one tiny drop. And that is what's going on here with Pluto and Aquarius. It's just this tiny, tiny zero degree. But oh, what an intense degree. If it were moving on to the one degree and two and so on, I think, you know, we'd have this kind of flurry of activity and then it would kind of start gathering pace and doing its thing, expressing those themes of that planet in that sign. But because it's sitting there at the zero degree and then turning around and going back out again, it feels like this is like a, whoa, this is is, is just going to be remarkable and outstanding that it really is going to give us this like homeopathic, um, profound intensity to its journey here, which of course goes on into June. So it's mid-March to mid, mid-June, that's three months. And here on the 1st of May, Pluto is actually going retrograde. 
turning around right on that zero degree spot. And it's like X marks the spot here. Pluto in Aquarius taster that, you know, we are going to get familiar with what happened to Pluto in Aquarius the last couple of times it went in. You know, th this is profound. You know, this is like this is what's going to be happening, guys. Um, and of course, the last time it was 1778 to 1798. And if you know your history, that was the French Revolution. <laughs> the French Revolution is like, I think, the most, the biggest revolution that we think about in modern term, in modern times. If someone says revolution to you, you think the French Revolution, because it was outstanding in its capabilities. And of course, we know the French for being able to construct blockade, well, the English the, the British, we know the French for their blockades, their strikes, they're really prepared to take action against their government to demand things. And um, look what they're getting up to now. They are uh, demonstrations right across France demanding that, you know, that whatever Macron, Macron is up to, that he it becomes a democracy and not a dictatorship. And they are prepared. Um, we've got to admire the French for doing this. It's in their blood. It's in their history. They've done it before. And they are prepared to go that extra mile and demand things. Can you imagine Louis XVI got executed in the street? A king getting executed in the street. And then three to six months afterwards, Marie Antoinette. She was their queen and they actually guillotined them. Guillotine. I mean, that is quite a profound act by the people. And we, we can't imagine that happening today. But really, France is rising. It is going back into its revolutionary nature. So uh, no one's going to get guillotined. And I don't I'm not at all suggesting they should. But in a way, heads need to roll in terms of they've got to stop what doing what they're doing in a corporate sense of, you know, the top guys got to come down off that hierarchy. It is Aquarius where we don't like hierarchies. But also at this time, you know, the French, the American, sorry, the American Revolutionary War was happening as well. So that was America leaving England, leaving, you know, the monarchy and becoming independent. And of course, they'd already written their um, the American Constitution. And that was also in defiance of the royal crown in in England. So um, but the, the war that then came after it was the American Revolutionary War. So they, too, were going for it. America was also having a revolution, too. So I think it's quite strange that we're just getting this taste now. And I think the people are rising in those countries and within the West. And, and of course, revolution doesn't have to be an out, all and out war. Um, but as my friend said, see you on the barricades. Now, um, the time before the French Revolution, the American Revolutionary War, the time before when Pluto was in Aquarius was 1533, sort of started going in in 1532, but 1533 till 1553. Now, that was... Uh, a, the, towards the end of Henry VIII's reign, and it was in the Tudor period, mid-Tudor, and um, and 1533, 
Anne Boleyn was crowned. She was crowned queen. And remember, Anne Boleyn was super progressive and, you know, really spoke her mind. You know, she had Aquarian qualities that, um, you know, she was prepared to push things to quite an extreme degree. She wanted to talk about kind of new ideas. She had read up and become quite progressive herself. So she had these Aquarian qualities. And of course, she was almost like an archetype for those times uh, for, for women. She was a radical, should we say. And that's what Henry then could have against her that her, her sort of more radical ideas, um, she was before her time. And some would say, you know, because she had so forthright, you know, that she wasn't female enough in that sense, that, that this was a shocking, it was shocking for women, you know, they weren't educated at that time and women weren't supposed to have strong opinions. But there she was being a flirt, an, array, an outrageous flirt by all accounts, and someone that we would all kind of align ourselves with and go, yeah, I, I get where she's coming from. We, underst we understand her in the modern age, but I don't think she was understood then. So that's so Aquarian. She's before her time. And she was crowned at when Pluto was at naught degree Aquarius. And of course, six months later, because she was pregnant when she was crowned, Elizabeth I was also born in September of that year. And so Anne Boleyn was crowned on the 1st of June and Elizabeth was born um, in September, Virgo Queen, the Virgin Queen. But she was our greatest one, well, one of the greatest queens that have ever lived, Elizabeth I. And so she has Pluto at, at zero degree Aquarius too. Um, and, you know, she was, I think she had brought about super kind of revolutionary, radical ideas herself. You know, she was really in for religious tolerance, which is very much an Aquarian idea of, you know, do what you need to do and, you know, get your free con, do whatever you need to do. And um, that was in, in the middle of a quite a fairly kind of um, high level religious war that was going on and would go on for centuries, the idea of who, how you would pray and who you would pray to. And I mean, this is still going on, still going on. Yet Elizabeth I was there saying, pray and, and meet your God how you would want to meet and pray to him. Do as you, your conscience allows you to do. And that's quite radical. That's quite Aquarian. And another thing that she did that was fairly, very, not fairly, very Aquarian was that she refused to marry. She remained completely independent. She understood what marrying would, marrying would do to her and what would do to England um, as her rulership. So she absolutely refused to marry. And, you know, that was shocking at the time. That was completely shocking. That's Aquarian shocking. You know, I'm not going to marry and um, I'm going to a single woman. Can you imagine? There are other single women in history that have been so shocking. And I can think of well, Cleopatra for one, but also Eris. Eris, when she uh, who is now called Strife or represents Strife in the asteroid chart or fixed star chart where she turned up at the wedding as a single woman. Shock horror. But anyway, our Elizabeth I with Pluto in Aquarius, you know, a radical, you know, she was so determinedly single and 
held so much power. You could say that, you know, from their point of view, their their idea of what a woman should be, she was completely non-binary in that sense. And that was outrageous. That was outrageous then. And Aquarius loves to shock, loves to go, right, yeah, let's go something right to the other end. So there's this... Uh, other stuff going on now we can see that the last time Pluto was at zero degree Aquarius no not the last the last time we had the American um revolutionary war and the French revolution but that was when Pluto was in Aquarius but I'm talking now in the 1533 onwards period that actually Pluto was at zero degree Aquarius where it is now so we had crowning of Anne Boleyn and the birth of Elizabeth I. And then two years later, we had the dissolution of the mon monasteries. That was England absolutely leaving Rome, saying we're not going to be part of the grand church. And that's how Henry VIII named himself, the, the, um, had the divine right of kings of being the leader of the church in England. And that you can equate that kind of move to maybe us leaving the World Health Organization. Do you remember when Trump did that a few years ago? He went, where America is leaving who? He didn't really like their way of operation. There must have been other reasons. But that's a similar idea to now. And you could also equate it with the UK leaving Europe or potential us all leaving the World Economic Forum. And you can see that the World Economic Forum growing in power, just like Rome was growing in power and abusing its power. And at that point, you know, the England said, no, we are leaving Rome because Rome was definitely corrupt and spending way too much money on riches while the people were absolutely in poverty and paying into a system so can you see what the, the how it resonates across down the centuries that that you know Aquarius has the ability to call this stuff out and go no no we're, we're gonna leave these hierarchical operations and the people can speak now what also I felt was fairly which, which also happened during this this period was uh, with Pluto in Aquarius, which started with Henry VIII's six marriages, which started with the second one, really, to Anne Boleyn, which was when as soon as Pluto moved into Aquarius, she was crowned and they married. And um, Henry VIII, as we all know, had multiple marriages. I mean, that's quite um, phenomenal, I think, you know, that Aquarian ideal of like just leaving marriages, taking it way too lightly. And I'm not saying that Aquarians would do that, but they do have a lighter um, view and uh, of being attached, of being committed. It's not, you know, they're more into the freedom and the um, the ability to, you know, they, they have an attachment, but it's a very loose and lighter engagement and so there was Henry really taking it way too lightly and uh, leaving his marriages for his um, as we now understand his own deficiencies in able to bring about a male heir a legal male heir but anyway I think that's quite Aquarian as well but we can I'm digressing now we can blame Henry VIII's kind of um uh, six marriages and his inability to look at himself because he had t Mars at 29 degrees Virgo. I mean, completely 
picky and irritable and highly critical and very hard to please because it was the 29 degrees of Virgo and Mars there. Mars in Virgo is kind of kind of critical, analytical, um, wants the detail, won't let it go. And um, but he had it at 29 degrees. Also, he had 29 degrees Pluto in Libra really wanting perfection, harmony and, you know, really into the coupling idea it was there was so much pressure on him to produce an heir from the outside, let alone on himself, from himself. You know, he, he took that to the edge. He really took that to its ultimate, you know, looking at one wife, you won't do, I'll go to the next, I'll go to the next, I'll go to the next, etc. So that Pluto, 29 degrees Libra, that's how it manifested with him. So, you know, Virgo is next to Libra. So they were two running alongside each other in a semi-sextile, two 29 degrees. And then there's a third 29 degree. He had his moon at 29 degrees Scorpio. So that's the most critical and intense sign with the most critical and intense degree, the moon here at 29 degrees Scorpio. So those three, so you go Virgo, Libra, Scorpio. So you had three 29 degrees in a row, which really are much more about why he forced things to such extremes, why he was so adamant and, you know, he he was the single-handedly took England out of the idea with Rome and and perhaps we need someone else of his like in this era um, to do the same. So I might have to look into a few of the leaders now in another episode and look at their own astrology and see who has the Aquarian ideals, maybe the, the, the Leo ideals to really push things and take humanity into a different direction. So anyway, that that's my digress my digression with Henry VIII. But we're going to come back to, oh, one more thing. His ascendant was at naught degree Virgo as well, to an utter purity, really enthusiastic about the purity being right. And again, super analytical. So anyway, yeah, I digress. We move on back to Pluto in Aquarius at zero degree. And of course, I always say with Pluto, it's evolve or die. And so with Pluto Aquarius, you know, we do need to lead these institutions and these uh, big operations. We have to free. We have to get the freedom from them or we die, you know, uh, die doing so. And we have to flatten the hierarchy. We have to knock that head off, flatten the hierarchy or, or, or we lose ourselves. You know, if it's not a death, it's a death there. We have to be able to marry and divorce particularly who we think. We have to have freedom from the global structures, freedom from unelected and unaccountable looking at Rome for that, but obviously the WHO and the WF, etc. We need freedom from these operations and freedom from the hierarchy that's beyond any accessibility to us. And also with this Pluto in Aquarius, we need to live by what we believe and because to not live by what we believe is a death in itself. So you see how now it's like this evolution. And there was a great interview with Aubrey Marcus interviewing Robert 
F. Kennedy Jr., who has now just nominated himself for, for president, for to be in the presidential uh, elections. And Aubrey says to him, aren't you scared? Your dad and your uncle were both assassinated. So, you know, the people, you're, you are up against all these big corporates. Are you not scared? And, he's, and he basically said... I have to do this for my legacy and because of what I believe in it. And what is the point of me living if I don't stand up for what I believe? And this is what life is about. You know, that, you know, you look at our forefathers going into war, some of them not even believing in that. But it was for our freedom, freedom of expression. And so if you believe something, you have to stand by and to not stand by is a death in itself. And I think that's an understanding of many more Pluto in Aquarius ideals and times from before where people have stood up in very dangerous situations to say this is what we the people believe in. And I think we're getting not just Robert Kennedy, but there will be others standing up like this in the coming years because we've got 20 years of Pluto in Aquarius and it doesn't really get in to Aquarius until November 2024. So it's going to come back out in June. Um, uh, June, we are right back to the um, Americans, um, Americans own Pluto natal at 27 degrees back in the, in October. So we get another taster of that later. So what does it mean when um, Pluto is going forward? We get these outward demonstrations of what's going on. You know, we can see it all happening and you understand that, you know, or you don't even think about what's going on. It's just like happening. But when Pluto, when any planet goes retrograde, it kind of has a more of inward direction, even though you might be reconsidering, re-looking at, redoing those themes. There is an inward um, journey. But of course, Pluto is the underworld. Pluto is the hidden and the subconscious, what's going on in the subconscious. So when it goes, it goes um retrograde it's kind of going deeper deeper still and maybe also highlighting what is going on in your subconscious and it's kind of like what when henry ford was building his motor cars and they said you know what color do you want you know he goes what any color you want as long as it's black so you know, that's the pluto idea it's what shade of black do you want we're going dark dark black now instead of a little bit light charcoal so now we're going backwards into that. You know, we've seen the outward expression of revolution. And, you know, maybe we're looking at the French and going, wow, that's good. And then you may be thinking, who, me? What? OK, like this is we now have a different view of things because we've seen some signs of revolution. So when Pluto moves back into Capricorn for the revolutionary ideas or the evolution of our business, perhaps we're going to get to grips with some of the big uh, global elite companies, ideas, industries that really need to stop being so hierarchical. So this this retrograde here is like, well, is more of the inward journey for ourselves personally, as well as for humanity. Now, when a planet goes retrograde, it has three passes. So the first time is when it goes forward and you know, you might feel it, you might not recognize it, it's happening and you're in the moment. But when it goes backwards, then you've got to feel it more inwardly and understand that happened, that happened and acknowledge it and understand it maybe from a different angle. But when it goes forward again, which it will do, 
coming through to uh, January 2024. We're going to be back here on tr- January 24 next year. We might be going, right, OK, we've got this now. We're, we're, we've got it. We've understood it. We're going to make it happen. I'm ready to take action now. I'm ready to take, to take aligned action and I'm ready to take action that I thought about. So it becomes more powerful with each pass in a way, especially where Pluto is um, concerned and it's funny as I was I was listening to um, um, uh, there was a record-breaking webinar last night before I recorded this and it was um, of um, it was called the art of living and I was kind of drawn into magnetized to this art of living because Matthew McConaughey has was speaking at this like you know like a a self-help Bible of a self-help webinar, you know, come onto our course, join us. And also Tony Robbins, the big Tony Robbins, who is the big, the biggest self-help guru there is. So Tony Robbins and Matthew McConaughey, and I have to say Matthew McConaughey, you know, he's worth listening to. He's fun. He's funny. He's naughty. He's irreverent. You know, he really gets it. He's fairly Aquarian, might have to look at his chart as well. But they had now, never before they had 2.4 million people on YouTube listening to their live um, to this webinar about how you might improve yourself for their course. And of course, the art of living, that's so Aquarian. It's the Aquarian age and it goes, here I am now having to um, take up my own issues and be independent. They're not asking, you know, they are showing you how you might be better at work, but how you, you might be better working for yourself, making things happen for yourself, being those, being free, being independent. And so I kind of felt that this this webinar, this record breaking webinar was really a sign of Pluto sitting at naught degree Aquarius and a sign of things to come where we all get together. And also someone like someone like Matthew McConaughey, who's obviously a very successful actor who would just come down. He said the thrill of this of, you know, everything I do as an actor is taking someone else's words, someone else's character and portraying that. And then the film, it gets onto a film, then it goes to an editor and then it gets to a, somebody else. And so it's what I'm sort of so detached from the final outcome. And he said, I'm just thrilled here to talk and then see all your answers coming up in the in the answer box. And he said that it just gives me such a buzz. And I think that's super Aquarian to be able to be in touch with an actor like that or an actor going, right, this is this is instant, you know, this is instant response. And so many people have not had that. And I think, yeah, bring on those kind of things for Pluto in Aquarius and Pluto retrograde at zero degree Aquarius. And also one of the things he said, this is a quote directly from him. I had to write it down. He said, don't live on the credit of your potential. And I think, yeah, God, that's such a cool thing. Don't live on the credit of your potential that this is who I'm going to be in the future. This is it. And so, you know, that potential is super Aquarian in that head. He said, don't live on the credit of your potential because you because you are transfixed with the vision you have created. Of course, any vision that you create is Aquarian. Aquarius is the visionary. So I really felt, wow, that's such a Pluto in Aquarius 
comment to make in this huge record-breaking platform of humanity coming together wanting to improve itself wow so yeah it's don't live on the credit of your potential because you're just transfixed with the vision you have created so don't go there and create this wonderful vision of who you might be and you know it with your self-help guidelines and go well, i'm going to be this person etc and then not do anything about it don't don't you've got to take the action so it's aligned action but Aquarius has this amazing vision and we all want to develop more of that and I think when we see what's panning out for Aquarius in the coming years we maybe want to understand more where our vision might have more depth etc so uh, I felt yeah that was such a good quote don't live on the credit of your potential because you're transfixed with the vision you've created Thank you, Matthew McConaughey. Also, um, to help us with this Pluto retrograde, we've got to remember that um, sometimes people don't really notice the period of the retrograde, although because things are just panning out as they do. But actually on the day planets go retrograde or go direct, on the day that they change, there's often like a left brain, right brain kind of decision. You know, things go a little bit quirky, um, you know, or not as planned. There's a lot of schism that happens when the planet goes retrograde. And so just think of that, you know, because when Pluto, it, you know, he's spinning around on that zero degree point, which I've already said is super kind of... Um, super intense and super full of you know enthusiastic energy to be aquarian and so on that day things that could happen you know the day it turns things can be quite alarming you know we might have some some something in the news that comes out you know something really intense happening or even gut-wrenching that we're oh gosh look at what's happening that it's happening personally especially hurt personally to you and you know maybe that's um maybe there's more poison that's been exposed poison literally within our governments and within what's going on or actually literal poison another crane train crash a leak of toxicity because Pluto loves that. And if it's within humanity's grasp here, while we've got planets in Taurus as well, planet Earth, yes, that's a huge possibility. Um, and then the next day, of course, 2nd of May, uh, after this Pluto going retrograde, Mercury, who is also retrograde now, says so that's the second planet to turn retrograde, um, Mercury goes Kazemi. I love a Kazemi. Now, it only happens for Mercury and Venus because they're the only two planets that go inside between the Earth and the Sun. So we're the only two planets that we would see cross in front of the Sun from the Earth's point of view. So Mercury goes Kazemi. And also, um, yeah, so it's retrograding back in front of the Sun. So it goes from left to right. And we only get a Kazemi when the Mercury uh, goes retrograde or Venus goes retrograde. It only happens in the retrograde pass because in the forward pass, it's round the other side of the sun. Even though they might be still in the same sign, it's, it's in a superior conjunction, meaning it's on the other side of the sun to us, even though the sun, us and 
Venus or Mercury will be in the same sign or in the same degree. We're we're in a different alignment. But when it's retrograde, it's like suddenly it falls back and it goes in front of the sun from our point of view. So then it becomes an inferior conjunction. And I don't think the ancient texts really explain that enough, that when you have these planets in retrograde, that's when the combustion happens because you see a planet that's very close to your sun in retrograde and you realize that the sun is so vast and its rays are so brilliant that the 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 tiny kind of pea-sized planet that's coming in front it is just blast and it's just unrecognizable so if you have a planet that's right next to the sun and it's in retrograde i would say it's combust then but the Ancients don't mention this. They talk about it when it's going forward as well. And I think then it's around the other side. So, of course, it cannot be combust. But definitely this Kazemi is happening. So the little tiny, if you think about the size of a house and then a tiny split pea, a tiny pea in front of the size of a double fronted two, three story house and the size of a pea moving in front of it. That's how the tiny mercury is in compared to compared to the sun and when it moves in front instead of being combust like in the rays invisible when it moves in front it comes into a little black spot and that's when it becomes kazemi and that's when it gets all the brilliance of the power of the sun all through this tiny little pea and that's like a, the super size me up it's a massive release of mercury power, mercury information, mercury connections, the right connections. And it's like brain power, waking up, ideas in your mind. It's the eureka moment because mercury is here. But now it's in Taurus. Mercury is going to go Kazemi in Taurus. Um, and, and here the Taurus is the physical and it's the ideas. It's planet Earth. And so... Here, Mercury can wake up our desires, <laughs> our sleeping desires and our sleeping needs and you know what we need from Mother Earth. Um, and it's going to wake up a physical knowing within us because it's Mother Earth's body, our body, the wisdom of the body and the knowledge drop ping. It's like I felt that in my bones. It really is. Um, a feeling in your body that it can wake up because, you know, Taurus represents our body, represents Mother Earth. And we might be going, well, what is happening to humanity? You know, what is happening to us physically? What has happened to us physically? You know, what have we all taken? We've had our DNA changed and upgraded and changed and they're doing it to the cattle. So they're putting it into the cattle so that even if you didn't get any of the medical interventions that you're still going to get it through the food potentially or you're going to get it from shedding. So what has happened to us in a medical, physical sense? There may be more information coming in or we might just feel it a little bit more that, oh, my God, my body's breaking down or my body is, you know, or maybe it's an idea now that, you know, that the our uh, DNA is patented and not our own. It's got the mark of the beast. <laughs> And 
I would like to liken this to this idea here that we have gone, humanity has gone through density. We went dense and went from right from the beginning when we were totally connected with spirit, when we humanity was born and in this current era after the Atlantean period, in this current Earth era. So that we came in really totally open and connected to spirit and we went denser into our bodies, more into our bodies, more denser. And the darkest, densest point is Golgotha with Jesus on the cross when he's channeling the Christ energy into earth. And when that happens, it's like the opening for us then to move forward into Christ, into being more open back towards spirit. And we've been moving back towards spirit ever since. And we are now at the level of the Egyptians when they were going in. If you imagine a V shape that the Egyptians were coming in and the Egyptians mummified most of their bodies and mummified the bodies so that they would keep the spirit, the soul connected to earth, that it was trapped, trapped or secured here is a better word, secured with the body, with planet earth. It needed to happen so that we could go into density. But now we're loosening up. We're loosening our etheric body from our physical body. We are opening far more to our own spiritual sense of ourselves, our psychic sense as well. So this is happening. One, it's happening naturally to us, but things like 5G are going to bring in and blast us open much more the satellites around us you know it's an extra connection beyond to the cosmos so here we are now really having this opening and i think this kazemi in taurus bearing in mind we've got pluto going direct and it's the day after in or going retrograde in in aquarius there's this this is an evolution of us physically and our humanity and a waking up of our physical selves in a sense that potentially more people are going to see that they are a spirit having a physical incarnation rather than a physical body that may or may not have a spiritual sense. But also on that sense, you know, maybe, you know, we have got a um, maybe there is a step change in the electromagnetic frequency that we are having here on Earth, because if you think we've got, um, you know, Uranus is in Taurus, Uranus is the higher octave of um of mercury mercury is the lower octave of uranus and they are both connected with our enlightenment our ideas our thinking our connections and and they want us to awaken in there in taurus mother earth allowing us to to awaken and potentially things like you know the enforcement of 5g which really came in in may two i think it was may 2018 when Uranus first moved in to Taurus, but it's been kind of has been held up with so many kind of stops and starts. And I know in the town where I live, we've stopped a mask being put up, a 5G mask put it up. But somehow, you know, some of this kind of um, um, these connections are happening anyway. And if you think about um, if you think that firstly, some of this was stopped because Boris Johnson stopped um, Huawei, the Chinese company Huawei, doing the infrastructure because he said, no, you're going to be able to spy on us. <laughs> it's laughable, really. Um, you're going to be able to spy on us. So we're not using the Chinese Huawei for the in in infrastructure mechanics. So he stopped some of that happening. Um, and on the quiet, I think Boris Johnson has done a lot to stop some of these kind of bigger operations happening. But 
you know, there's um, Elon Musk putting in so many more satellites around the edge. And that the satellites around the edge of Earth is Uranus, is the Uranian idea of the higher octave. It's connected to way out into space. Whereas I would say the Mercury in Taurus is the 5G that's happening in our mobile phones. And, you know, I'm always saying to people, you know, these can be quite dangerous. You, you know, these are the things you have to do to avoid being completely sunk into and being an, an EMF frequency and potentially that um, alarm that the British government set off to everyone's phone is part of that frequency setting. But, you know, ideas to offset that is one, turn your Wi-Fi off at night. That's an absolute must. You sleep so much better. I can do it one or two nights, but the third night like, I've got to turn this off. So... Um, turn your Wi-Fi off at night. Two, find either some shungite stone to protect you and wear it on your wrist, wear it wherever, on your neck, around your neck. Um, I haven't tried any of those on Amazon, those little gold discs that say claim to offset all, all of your electromagnetic frequency. Maybe look into tachyon energy when they do some really nice... Uh, objects that have tachyon which is zero point energy i don't understand the physics of it but super good at protecting you from electromagnetic frequencies or even getting a faraday case to put your phones a faraday cases were originally made so that you know when when you put your keys in your car keys in the slot by the door somebody outside could just get the frequency of the car key and and open your car and that's how they were stealing cars so a Faraday case, you put your car keys in and nobody can access the code. Um, and likewise, you can get them to put your mobile phone in and nobody can phone you while it's on. So if you're sleeping with your phone by your bed, Faraday case is an excellent uh, way to offset whatever's coming off the phone. So there are ideas. And I think the Kazemi aspect here that's happening um, on the 2nd of May, straight after the 1st of May, Pluto retrograde, I think it's important to, that we learn how to protect ourselves from all of this that is going to get more and more. And so, as you can see, the 1st of May is powerful. The 2nd of May is adds to that power. The 5th of May, we have the Scorpio lunar eclipse. And, you know, I've spoken about this. This is in the previous episode. I'm going to say a few bits more, but really I need to divide May issue up so that I can talk more about it in the next episode too. But just be sure that the 5th of May, you know, this is huge. The 5th of May Scorpio eclipse where we suddenly the next day, but within 24 hours, because the eclipse peaks at around six o'clock in the evening. I'm going to give you an exact time for that. Yeah, it's 18.34 on the 5th of May. So it's at six o'clock in the evening, um, or half past six in the evening, approximately 18.34. So the coronation of King Charles III happens, um, it starts is at 11.15 the next day. So it's within 24 hours um, of the eclipse. So in the eclipse, absolutely at the eclipse point that King Charles III is being crowned on a, lunar, a Scorpio lunar eclipse. I mean, who does that? Who does that? Now, 
as I say, I have mentioned a whole kind of um, podcast episode on this. But remember, you know, that Scorpio rules the underworld. It's the subconscious. And here is King Charles, who is a Scorpio, being crowned. He's a Scorpio that was born under a, a full moon eclipse. His moon is in Taurus. Now, his north node is at four degrees Taurus, which is the... Um, um, the north node is the degree where the uh, the eclipses happen around because it's the it's where the moon crosses the horizontal line that the sun and earth make if they were aligned. So the moon, the north node and south node are on this line and Prince Charles's north node is at four degrees Taurus. And this is where the align because the axis is Scorpio Taurus. And this coronation the north node of this coronation is at four degrees Taurus. Exactly. Now, this fact has blown my mind a little bit that you think, as I've kind of said, you know, that the elites, do they use astrology? Do we know? But, you know, this this can't be just organized that the queen dies and then within a year you've got this eclipse that just happens to be the same degree and you choose the Scorpio eclipse to do it. You know, if they're not choosing that, Something higher than that is at work. Something far more sort of spiritual um, understanding is happening. And that, in a way, gives me hope because I feel like, you know, only a Scorpio would choose to have his coronation. A Scorpio full moon eclipse Scorpio, although it was a um, Taurus eclipse for him. It's the same degree, though, um, would choose to have his coronation uh, on a on a Scorpio eclipse. I mean, because you, you, you know, ask anywhere. Ask Cancer. Ask ask a um, um, a Gemini. Do you want your do you want your coronation, the biggest day of your life, to happen on a Scorpio lunar eclipse? I bet you nine times out of ten, most people go, no, I kind of don't want that to happen. But here we are, and I think because the energy matches exactly King Charles, I think. This is like a, he's the conduit for some really um, dark, shadowy stuff. And it's his own ability here with his moon in Taurus, the organic farmer, to really, is he going to be able to transmute this dark energy? Is he going to be able to look at it and go, yeah, this is exactly what's happening and this is what we need to change? Is he, is he that beacon of hope that we need for, um, for humanity to evolve? as it should. Um, so I'm kind of going to keep delving into this idea because I really believe that this goes way beyond anyone's physical or anyone on earth, even the royals ability to align up the planets and this just for this kind of idea of an, a coronation. This is this is spiritually ordained and demonstrates, I think, that our universe is in a matrix. It's like here we can see the keys to the matrix, the cogs of the wheel turning around. This little e a coronation, you might think it's little, it's big coronation, is going to be an esoteric ritual and it's happening within very precise, like billion to one precision of sacred geometry. And it just shows that we are in a fractal universe of fractal patterns that are coming down from elsewhere to us. It's patterns, it's rhythms, it's vibrations and frequencies. 
And I I believe this is this is just highlights how it all fits together in a mathematical sense. And, you know, this is like the curtain for the Wizard of Oz. We're pulling back the curtain here. So um, are we prepared? Straight after this eclipse, there is going to be several other ideas, other um events in may we have the sun conjunct uranus and then we have mercury going direct and um jupiter is going to be moving into taurus so i'm going to come back to those ideas in the next episode because i think that's more than enough and i like to leave it on this point where we can just ponder that precision of a four degree node coming back because on a nodal return prince charles king charles will have had four already and they won't always come back to the exact point. Well, they'd hardly ever come back to the exact point because there's 30 points when it gets to that axis again that it can choose from. So um, I like to marvel at this. And so, yeah, if you're going to be watching the the coronation, I think it's going to be very profound in the sense that it will be an esoteric ritual um, and things like the the fact that the stone of destiny is being brought down from scotland to be put under the throne and there is this he's going to be blessed with water so we've got the stone we've got the water we've got the fire it is a ritual so um it, this isn't just some kind of um people playing around there really is a deeper sense to what's going on and i think it's going to be writ large and much more to say so hopefully i will catch you in the next episode but yeah do listen to the one before because i think they're going to all link up so thank you and um have a good may a beginning to may 